So the title of today's message is Malachi's Message on Faithfulness. Malachi's Message on Faithfulness. So let's, let's read the entire passage together and get a sense of it. Then we'll come back and unpack it together. Okay, ready? Malachi chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. And it says, You have spoken arrogantly against me, says the Lord. Yet you ask, what have we said against you? You have said, it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. On the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them, just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Would you bow with me in prayer? Would you say this prayer after me? Dear Jesus, give me ears to hear what you're saying to me. Give me eyes to see what you're doing in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, now let's look at it. Uh, Verse 13. God looks across the table, and he starts by saying, you have spoken arrogantly against me. He's talking with them. He's, he's continuing this conversation and looks across the table and says, no, you're speaking arrogantly against me. Now, up to this point in the conversation, I mean, God has already accused them of disrespecting him, of dishonoring him, of despising him, and of acting in an evil way towards him. He's accused them of profaning his name, of profaning the temple, of acting like uh, worshiping God as a burden. He's accused them of bringing weak and lame worship offerings to him. He's accused them of being faithless to the covenant, of being faithless towards him, of being faithless towards each other. And he's accused them of calling evil good and good evil and of stealing from him. Now, that is quite a laundry list of grievances that God has against his people. This is a really rebellious and obstinate group of people. And now, and now here God adds to the list that they are speaking arrogantly against him. You know, and as we arrive at this verse, uh, we might not be entirely sure what this arrogance looked like, but we'll find that out in a minute. But I am not surprised at all. I mean, maybe when the conversation started, maybe we were a little bit surprised at their attitude towards God, but, but, but now, after seeing all of this rebelliousness and stubbornness, nothing is surprising me. And look at their very predictable response at the end of verse 13. It's like they're hearing God say this, and, and they say to him, what have we said against you? You know, and I have to tell you, I mean, God's patience is amazing, isn't it? I mean, his, his patience, his, his long-suffering is amazing because if it were me, as I'm sitting here just observing this entire conversation and, and they ask that question, uh, I'm about ready to step in and just start knocking heads together. I think God's a little bit more patient than I am. 
I mean, because this response makes me just, 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 just want to, to jump in and say, what is wrong with you? How can you say that? What have we said against you? They know what they've said against them. They've been saying it for this entire conversation. You know what it kind of sounds like to me? Here, let me play it for you. Have you ever been somewhere where, where no one is attending to that broken record that just keeps skipping? Well, that's what this sounds like to me. And uh, it sounds like a song that I've heard before. You know, God, how have you loved us? God, how have we despised your name? God, how have we dishonored you? God, how have we disrespected you? God, how have we wearied you? God, how are we robbing you? Uh, God, what have we said against you? And, and every time God brings something up, they just play dumb. They act like they have no idea what God is talking about, when in fact they know exactly what God is talking about. They remind me of that proverb that says, he who remains stiff-necked after many rebukes will be suddenly destroyed without remedy. You know, and as I'm reading this, I'm watching this conversation, it makes me begin to ask, you know, do they think that they're going to outlast God? I mean, the impression I'm getting is that they're thinking that, you know, maybe if I can just outlast God, maybe he'll grow tired of this and just leave and just leave us alone. You know, can I give us all some advice at this point? I mean, whenever God is dealing with you on some issue, you know, if God is saying, you know, there's this issue in your life that I want to change, or there's this thing in your life that, you know, you've had the wrong idea or the wrong attitude and you need to address that, or you come across something in the Word where, you know, you read it and you say, you know what, I don't quite line up with that, and the Holy Spirit is starting to deal with you and say, you know, you need to change that. The best thing to do is just say, yes, Jesus. Yes, God, you're right. Or if he says, you know, you did that thing wrong or your attitude was wrong, the best thing is just to say, Yes, God, you're right. It was me. I did it. I was wrong. Please forgive me. You know, and then what happens is this. When you say that, God, it says that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then you go forward, and you're good with God, and God can pour out his blessing on you, right? But if you don't, if you're rebellious and dead and, and stiff neck and you resist God, you'll find that God can be relentless. God can be relentless. He's on a relentless pursuit to conform you to the image of his son, the Lord Jesus Christ. He's relentless. Francis Thompson, in his famous poem, uh, said this of God. He said he's the hound of heaven because he's on the pursuit for your heart and your affections, and he's not going to give up. Johnny Erickson Tata called him the glorious intruder. The Bible says that he is the God who sees you. He's the good shepherd who leaves the 99 and pursues relentlessly after the one wayward sheep. He's the good shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Jesus pursued you all the way to the cross, dying there, the just for the unjust, to bring us to God, because God is in a relentless pursuit for your heart and for your affections. In the words of one song from 20 years ago, God loves people 
more than anything. And more than anything, he wants them to know that he'd rather die than let them go. God is on a relentless pursuit for your heart. We get to verse 14 and 15 now. God said, you know, you've spoken arrogantly against me. And they, they responded by asking him, you know, how have we spoken against you, God? And let's see what God's response is to them. Verse 14. He says, you have said it is futile to serve God. What do we gain by carrying out his requirements and going about like mourners before the Lord Almighty? But now we call the arrogant blessed. Certainly evildoers prosper. And even when they put God to the test, they get away with it. Now let me ask you a question. How many of you have ever felt frustrated as you were trying to live out your faith in God? You know, I'm talking about frustrated because you're, you're trying to be faithful to God, and it seems like people all around you who don't love God, who aren't concerned for doing the right thing, seem to be prospering and getting ahead, seem to be more successful than you. I mean, the kind of frustration where you found yourself asking, you know, is it really worth it to maintain this aspect of faithfulness in my life? You know, maybe you're on the job and you're, you're committed to doing the right thing and being ethical, and it seems like, you know, somebody who's not ethical, who's not committed to doing the right thing, just keeps getting ahead. Or it seems like people in your life who keep on flaunting God never get what's coming to them. Well, if you've ever felt that way, can I encourage you? You are not the first person to feel that way. Right here in our scripture, in our passage, around 2,400 years ago, People are asking the same question. People are struggling with the same situation. You know, it seems like often people who do evil prosper. People who test God get away with it. You know, and there's some truth in that. Often people who do evil prosper in their ways for a while. Often people who test God get away with it for a while. And it can make you ask, you know, is my faithfulness really just futility? And it can make you wonder, is my faithfulness really worth it? And the answer is, yes! Yes, your faithfulness is worth it. In the end, your faithfulness to God will be worth it. So let's look at God's response to this, beginning in verse 16. And I love this passage. This is, this is really awesome. I love it because, you know, again, God does something that you might not expect. He goes a little bit, in a little bit of a surprising direction. He doesn't just answer their complaint directly. Instead, he kind of just opens up heaven a little bit and gives us some insight into his perspective. Let's look at it, verse 16. He said, Then those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Wow, that is awesome. I hope this excites you as much as it excites me. I mean, those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened. The scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. God sees every act of faithfulness on your part, and he will remember it. Nothing goes unnoticed by God. He sees every time that you suffered injustice, and yet you were faithful to him and his word. He sees every time um, where it seems like things just aren't fair, but you are faithful anyway, and it says that he remembers it. He hears every cry 
of injustice that you cry, and he's writing it down. You know, and this idea, it's not some obscure idea that's just hidden here in an obscure book at the end of the Old Testament, but it's all over the Bible. Did you know that the whole book of Hebrews is written to encourage Christians who were suffering because of their faith in the Lord Jesus Christ? And the writer of the book of Hebrews says it this way. He says, God is not unjust. He will not forget your work and the love you have shown him. He goes on to say this, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And then he says, do not throw away your confidence. It will be richly rewarded. And he says, you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a little while, he who is coming will come and not delay. The Lord listened and heard. A scroll of remembrance was written in his presence concerning those who feared the Lord and honored his name. Those who feared the Lord talked with each other, and the Lord listened and heard. Say, when you're in Bible ed class, when you're in Sunday school, when you're in a small group, God is there listening to you talk. Did you know that? He's enjoying the conversation. He's enjoying it so much that it says that he's writing it down so that all of heaven can remember it. But it gets even better. Look at verse 17. He says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as the Father has compassion and spares his Son who serves him. On the day when I act. This is a reference to what we call the day of the Lord. It's a reference to the fulfillment of all things. It's referring to the day when this age ends and God sets up his kingdom. On the day when I act. They will be my treasured possession. God says that those who are faithful to him, those who honored him, are a treasure to him. Now, he's not just remembering you, but he says you are priceless to him. You are like a treasure to him when you are faithful to him and you're faithful to his word. I mean, highly valued, important to God. And he spares them like a beloved son. Then going on in verse 18, he says, And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. God says he personally makes a distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. Jesus said it this way, in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 45. If you want to follow along, you can find it there, Matthew 25. And he said, When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, that is, on the day when I act, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as, he, as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my Father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. 
For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. For I was hungry, and you gave me nothing to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me nothing to drink. I was a stranger, and you did not invite me in. I needed clothes, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not look after me. They also will answer, Lord, when did we see you hungry, or thirsty, or a stranger? or needing clothes, or sick, or in prison, and did not help you. He will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did not do for one of the least of these, you did not do for me. Then they will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous to eternal life. Faithfulness to God will be worth it. Faithfulness to the word of God will pay off in the end. Those who do evil will not prosper forever. Those who are unfaithful will not prosper forever. Those who test God will not get away with it forever. On the day he acts, God makes a distinction between the faithful and the unfaithful. He remembers every act of faithfulness. It's not as the people of Malachi's day said, futile to serve God. And what do you gain? You gain an eternity with a compassionate Father who will view you as his valuable, treasured possession for all eternity. That's Malachi's message on faithfulness. Can I encourage you to be faithful? Be faithful to the Lord. If it gets difficult, be faithful. If you're facing trials, if you're facing persecutions and other kinds of difficulties, be faithful faithful to the Lord. Be faithful to the Word of God. Your faithfulness will be richly rewarded. 